Hey, cats and kids. It's episode 38 of the Unregulated Podcast. I'm your hostess, Mike McKenna. And I'm your other host, Tom Pyle. And if you notice what we did there, we kind of mixed it up a little for y'all. We're going to be doing that here and there occasionally. Maybe a nice it, little it, surprise next week as well. But uh, if it work did, in progress. If it didn't confuse you, it confused me. So <laughs> Yeah, you looked like you had a little trouble uh, with that. Like, what? Wait, huh? All right, listen up. Uh, this is the Thursday before the big Memorial Day weekend where we are expecting, the, the experts are predicting, the busiest travel day in, in a very, very in long time in the, the history of the world, perhaps. The good news is we're both driving south into it. Yeah, and the other good news is we're not in an electric vehicle. The so. other good news is we're not Mets fans, but well, I'm, I'm driving but north. We have, we have a Mets fan with we us We do have a Mets the, fan with studio. us, a repeat guest. A repeat guest again He's here so much more on than the Unregulated Podcast. He's so podcast. much more than a guest. He, you know. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Phil Kirpin. Number one in your hearts. Number one on the field. With the Committee to Unleash Prosperity and American Commitment. Oh, Phil, yeah. welcome we're, to the show. Oh, great to be here. Thank you for uh, introducing with both hats. Very good. Uh, yes. Because we're going to talk a lot. Work. We're going to talk about the committee uh, a little bit. Because uh, I, I have your hotline here today. And. Again, we will put the the link to the subscription for the the hotline, which is a daily. What do you describe it as? Oh, dude, let me just let me just let me try this for you, Phil. If you don't get if you don't get the hotline, you are you aren't living. You are woefully unprepared for the day. You yes. got to get you got to get on this 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 mailing list. It's a is literally the I only I only read two things every day. I read political influence because of course I'm a swamp things. creature, and I read AA's pipeline. Sorry, too. And then the third thing is the committee to unleash. Prosperity's um, hotline. Yeah, what what it basically is, is I, I do it with uh, John Fund and Steve Moore. And what it basically is, you know, it started out we'll as like... That was going to say. By the way, but that's cool. It, it, you you could kind of tell who writes each one. I'm <laughs> not, we don't identify, but if you know us, what, if you know the three of us, you could usually figure Phil it out. What means is, of course, he drags the carcasses of Steve Moore <laughs> and John Fund along with him. Steve usually writes the number one, the, the lead yes. item, and it's usually good. Um <laughs> It's usually good. Yeah, it, it's always great. It's the, uh, Go ahead. Well, basically, it started as sort of like the daily what's going on with COVID when we started it, like whatever, a year and a little, a couple months ago. And it's, but it's sort of drifted over time. We still kind of cover that, but it's sort of all the issues we're interested in. So we do, we have energy stuff in there. We have uh, tax and spending stuff. And it's kind of, um, you know, we do a lot of stuff where like what's happening in the states that we care about also. So it's kind of but we try to it's not we try not to just do opinion like we don't you don't need to know what somebody said in some op ed. We try to get you like nuggets of facts and information, interesting charts, interesting graphs. That it, kind of it, thing. It's 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 um, kind of like uh, this podcast, but, you know, in an email. But form. good. Um, it, so. it, it, it it you know what it's actually like. It is the pipeline for economics is what it really yeah, is. It's it's good. it's it's really good bite-sized economics in 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 um, bites that actual human beings can access and understand. And we've been trying to make it shorter because, like every day, Steve says, uh, "Cut it down, cut it down." So we've got it. Usually, it's now well, six items. It used to be, Steve's, used Steve's, to be well, ten, one, but we're trying one, to. I, I appreciate that Steve's um, attention span, which is. Enormous and awesome. I'm, I'm, I appreciate that. With that, he accommodates the rest of us who don't have quite as you know. Well, one article today, one, one num, uh, hit number two, uh, and this is why I wanted to have you on because here in Washington D.C., as we were talking about before the show, it seems like COVID was over like overnight. It was incredible. 
because, you know, like the CDC did that thing where, you, do you remember, it was, a, it was a couple weeks ago now, you remember how like, you know, the whole world was on fire, there are gas lines and the Middle East is in flames and you got, you know, lumber prices are up a thousand percent and just sort of, and then one day Biden walks out and he's like, masking's over. Like out of the blue. And like, oh, one wait, week really? before he yeah. said that if we're lucky, we yeah. might be able to have a right. barbecue. Right. On the and then of just, July. but somebody there made the call and they were like, okay. So, and of course, DC being DC, as soon as the feds say it's over, you know, like the mayor's out there like 10 minutes later, hey, it's over here in so, DC. It's a company good. town. And so it was, um, and it, it was actually interesting because two weeks earlier, the mayor had posted a new mask order that said you don't have to mask if you're vaccinated and then withdrew it one day later. And I'm like, oh, they rolled that out before they were supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like, it was like, wait, wait, wait. Embargoed what until. Like, what yeah, right, right. So they, they, so we, we kind of got that accidental preview. Uh, but then, you know, when the White House sort of said masking's over, they it, it really opened with a bullet here in D.C. It's like it, we went from like 90 percent closed to 90 percent open essentially overnight. Um, although it's interesting, you know, I, ju I just saw this article, something I hadn't even thought about. Uh, the metro, the subway system here still closes early, including on weekends. So now you get all these service workers who have crowded bars and restaurants where they're working, but they can't get home at the end of the night. Mm. And they, you know, the ride share prices are still crazy through the roof because, you know, with supplemental unemployment and everything else, so you just don't have the number of drivers. Yeah, do you think they're, they're closed because they don't have staff or uh, they just want to save money by not Who operating knows? the system longer? Who knows? I mean, probably a combination. Or just a lag. It's probably just a It's probably It's probably just they look at the ridership numbers and don't think they could justify mm -hmm. it. I mean, I, I remember all the mass transit systems were already in trouble, but they took a massive hit during this. Who wants to be in a mass transit system during a pandemic? So, so you I mean, have been, uh, a, you've been a bulldog on, on all things COVID this past year or so. And I've really enjoyed uh, following along and learned a lot. And um, uh, I wanted to get you on just to give, to give you a chance to just kind of give us your a set, like, just give us a wrap up. Yeah. Like what you think we're going to learn from all of this and, you know, kind of what you what you think were the biggest sort of takeaways. I know I have a few uh, that I, you know, I'm sure you probably share, uh, but I want to hear from you first. And then if, if I have any others, I'll, I'll chime in and Mike too. Well, I think the, the biggest lesson that we should learn, and I am somewhat, worried that we will not, uh, but the biggest lesson we should learn is that you're, you can't stop a highly infectious respiratory virus by government dictate and order and mandate. It just, it doesn't work. Until you have effective medical interventions, uh, it's just not gonna make much difference anything you do. And the lockdowns and the shutdowns and the school closures and the mask mandates, at the end of the day, had approximately zero effect. I mean, you could sort of, you can really tease it out with complicated methodology and try to find some teeny tiny effect uh, here and there, but you know, it was almost all, uh, it, it was almost all just artifacts of kind of the order in which it happened. And early on, of course, we were saying, oh, these Northeast states, they're such idiots, they did everything wrong. Uh, and they do still have the worst numbers overall, mostly because of the mistakes they made in the nursing homes and uh, the early treatment with overuse of ventilators and that kind of thing. Uh, but this idea that certain places were geniuses and their policies worked, like it looked like California, oh, their great lockdown was so successful. No, they, they had the worst winter wave and it sort of caught them up. And this really was a pandemic, pan in the sense that it was everywhere. And the rural places early on were like, oh, it's population density. Not really. I mean, the city's got it earlier, but then all the rural areas mm -hmm. filled in. And so kind of at the end now with this thing sort of petering out and you can look back on it, uh, 
more or less every place was the same in terms of the virus outcomes. There just weren't big differences. Uh, where there were big differences was on the economic side. And uh, the places that were really restrictive and shut lots of things down still have high unemployment. And you know, a place like South Dakota that never shut anything down, they had one of the worst virus outbreaks of anywhere in the country, but their unemployment went down over the last year. It never, mm -hmm. So it wasn't the virus that caused the economic harms, it was the policies. And I think that the, the real lesson we should learn Although I doubt we will, because it would involve people admitting they made a mistake, which right, seldom which happens. Uh, but the real lesson we should learn is, you know, don't panic when you have a, an infectious disease outbreak and make it worse by layering all kinds of other societal problems on top of it with these, you know, so, with these so restrictive how, policies. Okay, and a couple of my takeaways are along the same line. But like, how, like, talk about the psyche of, uh, you know us like the folks like what i have witnessed anecdotally is all of a sudden this blind allegiance to the county executive or the you know or or in i mean there are signs around my neighborhood you know uh you know in fauci we trust right i mean <laughs> like and like literally like well, what the, the cdc said today now. that this is it's it's science and you know, we always joke about the it's the science that they're not following the science huh. They're just basically good at taking or, or happy to take orders. It's, it's you know, I mean, the, the single best predictor of almost all of these, uh, the single best predictor of the restrictiveness of a policy response is the political party of who's in charge. It's true for states. It's true for localities. And, you know, for whatever reason, the Democrats saw this as an opportunity to seize control in all these different ways. Maybe they thought it really would help with the virus. They probably did. You can give them credit for that. It didn't, but maybe they thought it would. Uh, but, you know, they have this very sort of, uh, you know, command and control mentality. And, you know, they kind of think they could eliminate you know, eliminate all the world's ills if everyone would just follow their orders. And, you know, that it, it literally ills in this case. It translates to, like, if, it, if, you, if you take a look at their success at doing that with respect to this, with this situation, translate that across other policy prescriptions. It's scary, yeah. It's scary well, as you, hell. You, of course, we've seen the calls for climate lockdowns now from, right. uh, from several uh, quarters. Uh, look, I mean, I think that one of the big takeaways, like going forward in terms of agenda items we need to do is, you know, we've got to, you know, we've got to limit these executive authorities. You can't have, you can't have sort of, you know, you declare an emergency and all the checks and balances of our normal system of government go out the window indefinitely. And so we've got to start to drain these things back in. And I was very encouraged in Pennsylvania recently, they passed two state constitutional amendments that do limit the authority of the governor to issue emergency orders. They need to now get legislative approval within 21 days. Uh, and, you know, I hope we see a lot more efforts to sort of put institutional checks on so this can't happen again yeah. the way it did. Yeah. All right. One more thing. This is what I, this will call my attention because we talked about this. We played a clip. Uh, last week from an ex yet another exchange between Senator Paul, Dr. Paul, and, and Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fauci, who vehemently, vehemently denied- We did not fund any gang of function research of function research. Yes, you saw it. You, you saw it. Do it in your Fauci. Do, do your best Fauci. Uh, we, did not, I, we did not fund any gain of function <laughs> research that's pretty uh, good, at the man. Wuhan laboratory. I, I, I don't okay, really so now, like, 
all everywhere I'm looking now. The lab theory is now being covered by the media, and Facebook I, even unbanned it. You you can actually say okay. you so, can say lab leak without get banned getting banned on Facebook. It's undebunked. Yeah, it's bunked. I suppose it's, it's, it's bunked. So why the change of heart? Why are we now? Why is this now not like taboo? Why is it not racist? Because to talk about the fact that it's possible that this lab cause, is because Trump's where, already lost where the leak happened. We got, well, look, we I got mean, a I new think, president, so it's okay now. Well, I think it's got to be more than that. I mean, I, I'm a cynic, uh, and I assume that that you're you're not a cynic, Phil. We're cynics. I'm not as cynical as you guys. I know I should. Went to, I got to recalibrate for the context. I mean, look, I, I have to assume that some pretty damning evidence is going to come out. Mm -hmm. And the, that's why all the media was yep. tipped off, you know, clean, clean, clean up, this up, clean this clean up, up the before. Lab. Yeah. I, I just think because, you know, if it were going, if it were going to remain ambiguous, if there's no new bombshell to drop, I think they would have more or less left well enough alone. So I think that, that there was some kind of hint that was put out yeah. from the administration or the intelligence community or whatever, that was kind of like something's we coming. We can't keep this bottle up Cause something's longer. coming, yeah. get, get your stuff straight. Okay, so, I just assume that had to have happened because yeah. they turned on a dime. So, so several things to unpack. So what? So well, it leaked from the lab. So what? Well, first of all, after vehemently denying that U.S. tax dollars went to the Wuhan lab last week, flip flop, Fauci. This week, Fauci said, "Of course, we funded it. Would it. Be, we were, it, would be, it would have been. We would have been uh, derelict. It would be almost a quote, almost a dereliction of our duty." If NIH hadn't worked with China to study coronavirus as he defended NIH money going to EcoHealth or collaboration with very respectable scientists. Right. Now, within a week, we went from, of course, we didn't fund it to like, you're like, how could we have not funded it? It yeah. would have been crazy isn't, not to. Isn't it amazing like, to wake up every day and be Dr. Anthony Fauci? And be, and be adored by Democrats, no matter. I mean, did, did you see the poll? I guess it was a month ago now. There was, it was like, do you trust Anthony Fauci? Uh, and it was like Democrats, 85% yes. Republicans, 14% yes. And I was like, the 14 seems high. I don't know who those people yeah, are. Seriously. I uh, like him, but I don't. I just think. That I mean, the, look, that's the that's the bottom line on this thing. The, the public health, the public health operation in this country is in complete and utter tatters. Well, you know, they yeah, it's mean, like it's, you it's, know they had their big moment that you prep for decades and decades and decades, and they completely choked. It wasn't just they threw they, everything out that they had prepared, it, and they just panicked. I was going to say it wasn't just that they choked. They they consistently managed to be both wrong and on the, every side of everything. Right. It was a disaster, an unmitigated disaster. And I don't know how to say this the right way, but there's only one guy actually in charge of the National Allergic and Infectious Diseases um, Administration, and that's um, Dr. Fauci. Fouch. Right. I mean, he, you I know, think, we, I think we, he's been there my entire life. This guy has been, he's been there 40 years. This guy years. has had the same been MO years. since back then. There have, there have been contemporaries of his who have called him out, who have had not good things to say about him, even back then during all the AIDS stuff yeah. as well. Well, I mean, I think there are a couple of implications if, if in fact, you know, this was, you know, sort of it was from the lab. I mean, for, first of all, it means that the disgusting media smear attack on the President Trump and on conservatives and on anyone who even asked the question was, you know, even more disgusting than when it was just a possibility. If it ends As up, in fact, being true, it was a total worse. suppression of, of 
you know, not just something that could be true, but something that in fact was true. I think that would be pretty stunning. Uh, but but second, I mean, the idea that we as taxpayers might have been forced to fund this kind of research, uh, even when it was supposed to be on pause, because remember, there was a pause on gain-of-function research, and they somehow continued this grant funding anyway, uh, because we were concerned about this kind of risk. Uh, I think that that's that would be a pretty shocking thing to learn. Uh, you know, so I, I think, you know, to the extent that there's still kind of any trust in government left, uh, if it turns out uh, that this happened. And, and also remember, you know, if if it did come from that lab, they probably knew pretty early and there was probably a pretty considerable cover. Let me put a darker. Uh, let me put a darker spin on that for just a second. The 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 terrible answer that nobody wants to go to yet is this is what we do here in the unregulated podcast. We're just, we go there. I'm just a simple country boy. I only know what I read in the newspapers, but what if it was intentional? What if we had been the victims of um, biological warfare? And you know, nobody has said that because nobody's ready to, to go there yet, but I'm ready to go there. If you had to pick a country, a nation, a party that was prepared to do such a thing on a global scale, it would be the communist Chinese. Well, why were they so, doing so right away? It's in balance. Why were they doing gain of function research in the first unless place? you were specifically well, thinking about it? The idea was like the that. idea was, and the, you know, the guy who the the godfather of gain of function, this guy named named Peter Daszak at Eco Health Alliance, and uh, the 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 main scientist who does it is a guy in, in North Carolina named um, Ralph Barrick. And the the theory behind it is what these guys will say is they say, look. There are all these viruses out there. They could jump to humans at any time. They could get worse at any time. You know, so the w only way we can be prepared is if we create them first in the lab before nature creates them so that we can study them so that we can be ready for when they inevitably happen mm -hmm. in the natural world. That's the theory behind it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they love coronaviruses in particular because coronaviruses infect every mammal. And so you can do a lot of cut and paste in the lab and mix them together yeah. in different ways and say, you know, we're going to take this bat virus, then we're going to take this human coronavirus piece so the bat virus can infect human cells. And it's very easy. And you can find video of these guys talking about it. Uh, you take the backbone of one coronavirus and you can stick in the spike of another one. And it's so, and, but, but the, what they'll tell you and why Fauci says it would have been, you know, a dereliction not yes. to do it. Yes. Is, is what they'll say. Yeah. What they'll say is, you know, if we can make it first in the lab, then we can be ready for it when it comes from mm -hmm. nature. And that mm -hmm. might be true if you have the strictest possible protocols to make sure nothing gets out of the lab that isn't supposed to get out of the lab. But doctors don't like working at the strictest protocols because yeah. you got to don all the equipment and all and this kind of stuff. Humans, and so, humans, you know, yeah. there's there's humans. Uh, when you have the human element, there's error. Period. There's always going to be an, an error somewhere, a breach in the in the protocol or whatever. Yeah, I also think sort of another piece of circumstantial evidence on this is the way all the Western governments freaked out and locked down to me, makes it look like they didn't think they were dealing with the emergence of a natural virus. They thought they were dealing with something else, I, I think. Yeah, and look, to your point, Mike, if, if, you, were to in, if you were to create a, a, a biological weapon mm -hmm. that went after the West, you would go, you would, it would particularly it would impact obese people. 
it would look it would look just like this. It would kind of look like this. And it old would, people. And it, old people. It, we're, we're, we've got lots of old. We got lots so. of old people. We got lots of. It would look just. But but we like don't this. have any. I mean, my my over. I brought oh, this up because all I said. Let's let's be sure. All I said was if there was a regime that would do it, it would be this and one. I, and I think that that once again the media owes an apology to President Trump. It's which kind of, he'll never get. It's kind of hard to apologize to a guy who talks all the time. <laughs> but did you did you see Nate and Silver said the Nate's... fact that they have just they they were so adamant? How dare you even bring this stuff up? How dare you even talk about this? And now, as you said, this looks a lot like Biden is doing damage control. Yeah, look, Nate Silver had a tweet. Nate Silver had a tweet a day or two ago where he was like. I think the reason this is all changing now is because, you know, Trump's far enough in the rear view or something true. like that. That's I mean, he totally just said true. it. He That's just said it. it. Nate, he just said it. Nate Silver is pretty close to spot on. Meanwhile, the damage for the the damage from this pandemic is going to uh, be born well beyond when yeah. we get on the other side of this of this and we it becomes a distant memory for people. The amount of debt that we're accumulating the policies that they're they're putting in place to try to like capitalize, uh, as Rom said, you know, uh, never let a good crisis go to waste. These policies will have impacts beyond the coronavirus, from my perspective, that are as bad or worse in some cases. Yeah, I mean, look, we've got, you know, probably the most extreme radical agenda we've ever seen, uh, which is something from a president who campaigned as like your kindly moderate uncle or whatever. And uh, I'm going to be a return to normal and all this kind of thing. And then you look at the agenda and it's like everything the union boss has ever wanted on labor. I mean, the guy wants to repeal state right to work laws and that they've already passed that in the house. I mean, that wasn't even in the realm of possibility, the realm of theory before this year. Uh, you, I'm sure, have covered all the crazy energy policies, which are, you know, completely yeah. over the top and out of control. We've got all of these tax hikes, just a massive list of them. Uh, and then sort of all of that is dwarfed by, by the spending, which is just, you know, I mean, they're going to put out this $6 trillion budget. And uh, it's you know, just they, they shovel $350 billion to the states that they don't even know what to do with. California was already in surplus, so they were like, have another $40 billion or whatever it was. Uh, it's just every area of policy is just totally over the top, hard left, just to, to totally. And of course, their so-called election reform, if they got that done, they're going to ban voter ID laws. They're going to make it impossible to clean the rolls. They're going to essentially lock in their ability to put a thumb on the scale. And so I, I think it's a, a um, you know, we, we're in a very, very dangerous time right now because You've got some people that are still distracted by the COVID fights and, and that kind of, and then you've got, I think, a lot of other people that are just so relieved that it's over, <laughs> that they're just yeah, in high spirits and right. not have in a the, good summer. Yeah. And not like in the, I got to fight this. Just, right. Fortunately, we're here. Yeah. All right. Well, t tell me, uh, uh -oh. tell me about the, the poor <laughs> where, Mets. Where we got tell me about going. the amazing well, the Mets. Have, the uh, amazing. The Mets, this was are, such uh, a The Mets a have 17. You started the year so optimistic, Phil. 17 players on the injured list presently. Um, Phil, the, what did I tell you at the beginning of the year? You were not high on my prediction of 95 <laughs> wins. Right, and why? Did I say why? Do you remember why I said? 
I only gave one reason. There's just you one just reason. Because they're the Mets. That's exactly the reason I gave. Because they are the Mets. Uh, you know, the thing is, they're keeping their head above water. We're, uh, I think, 23 and 20 at the moment. I, yeah. Uh, which uh, is pretty amazing when you got the whole team on the injured list. Uh, we've been playing we've been playing catchers at first base for the last several days because we have no non-injured first base. Cameron Maven. Maven. That's Joined. nothing. We're, that's nothing. we're Yankee fans. We Maven we're, for a buck. We're, we're Yankee we, we, fans. We acquired Cameron Maven from the Cubs for $1. He was hitting like 180 at the AAA Iowa Cubs. Oh, he's doing better than Sanchez. Uh, he's over. <laughs> so, I don't think he has a hit yet for the Mets. I think he's like 0 for 20 or something Let like that. Something. We, we, uh, we, we, have, we have designated hitters playing catcher, so... I, you know, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, we've got. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Brandon Drury. We just traded for Billy Brandon Drury from the uh, Brewers. Brandon yeah, Drury. Yeah. He's still playing baseball. He's our starting left fielder. I mean, uh, yeah, sure. Okay, this all points to <laughs> it's, uh, it's one incredible. individual on the planet Earth who is killing himself. Tommy Agee, kicking himself. Don Clendenin, yet again trying to resurrect his NFL career. Tebow would Tim be. Tebow he would be in the would Literally, he be would in be in the Mets uniform. He would be in the playing in City would, Field right now under this situation. Uh, yeah. what the difference does it make? He's going to play easy. Well, he's going to be in the NFL. Florida? He's back. Florida? No, no, no. Uh, it's his coach. Urban uh, Myers. Yeah, where did he wind coach. up? Is it Jacksonville? Jacksonville. Yeah, Jacksonville. Florida. What did I say? Yeah, I don't so know. He's, he's a tight end. Now. I should know this. Yes. Jacksonville is going to be my new. He's going to try to turn him into a tight end. They said he's going to play tight end. They're going to say Tom's Tom's new home, Jacksonville. You know, the great thing is you can get tickets to all the games there. Well, DeGrom's back, so you'll get DeGrom's one, two back. runs. He pitched his five innings. One or two uh, runs out of, out of the offense whenever he pitches. He's hitting like 570 or something. So, you know, if he, if he get any he's got to win his own yeah, games. Yeah, right. If, he, if he's going to get a run, it's going to be from his own bat. Poor you know, he's got to win his own games. Poor guy. I love it. He's Walter Johnson waiting to happen. All right. Well, Phil, thanks for joining us. What What are you working on? What What can we? Uh, what exciting things can we can we see from the committee or and or American Committee in the coming weeks? Well, we've got a we've got a big study that's uh, we're trying to get done ahead of the Ways and Means markup, uh, which I think is now three weeks out, on the proposed second death tax that Biden wants. I don't know if you guys know about this, but uh, in addition to the estate tax that we have now, Biden wants to make death a realization event for capital gains purchases. So if you inherit an asset, let's say you inherit a farm or a house or whatever from your uncle and he paid 10 grand for it 50 years right. ago and now it's worth a you know now it's worth a couple million on paper even though there's no cash in it. Uh, Biden wants you to pay immediate capital gains tax when you inherit it, mm. in addition to estate tax if you owe that as well. So we're we're trying to stop that and we actually Senator Tester said some negative things about that tax, which is slightly encouraging. It's actually that, absolutely encouraging since he's not up for re-election. So usually, usually it's like the typical. Well, Montana the only thing I worry about is that they're going to try to. The only thing I worry about is they're going to try to raise the exemption amount or carve out farms and ranches or something right, to right. call to solve his problem. Yeah. But you know, I think th this is sort of like the linchpin of a lot of their tax hikes in a way because you know the the reason. You could never. The reason you can never get the capital gains tax way up the way they want it is, joint tax has always said if you go higher than twenty eight percent on capital gains, you start losing revenue instead of gaining revenue because people just hold assets mm -hmm. until they die to avoid the tax. Mm -hmm. So being a genius, the Biden people said, well, we'll just tax it all at death, and then there's no reason to hold yeah. on to it until then they you lose die. Their incentive, right? They, they so it, it so then they can get credit from joint tax on the score for going up to forty percent or whatever on the rate. So you know if we can knock out. 
that second death tax, that capital gains tax at death, then we can stop them from raising the capital gains rate up to 40 because they're not going to get any revenue credit above 28. And then sort of maybe the whole house of cards of the Biden tax hikes kind of collapses. So that's going to be our big thing is focusing on stopping that second death tax, that capital gains death tax. Good. Well, glad you're out there. Glad we need you on that wall, sir. So McKenna says we already won, though. He says they're not going to raise any taxes. So I think that's true. I think we still have to fight. We can't just assume. Well, we still need to get the work out so we can get credit. Yeah. No, That's the important I mean, thing. Yeah, that, well, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll give the I'll give the committee to unleash prosperity credit for it right this second. It it the um, stepped up basis thing is the is the uh, critical element of that tax thing, right? Once you blow it up, it's done. Because the Isn't IRS that a violation of the I'm not going to raise taxes on people making less than four hundred thousand. Almost. But don't you get the trick, Tom? The, the year you get that inheritance, you're rich. You, you have more than four hundred because oh, of the inheritance. Oh, that's even true. though it's okay, just that I one see, year. Even though it's yeah, even yeah, though okay. the next year you're back to your regular We're income. Good. That year you're okay. rich. Yeah, yeah, the good. the other thing is right. Um, the IRS enforcement, right? Seven hundred billion dollars, right? We're gonna oh, give, yeah. we're gonna give the IRS eighty billion dollars, forty billion dollars. They're gonna give us seven hundred billion. That's the biggest single piece of that tax title, right? Total fraud. That's and a it's joke. good. Well, as recently as twelve months ago, GAO said that that's not actually how that thing's gonna work. Dopey. If you gave them forty billion, they might give you a hundred billion back. So seven hundred's out. And the thing about budget rules is, can't score it in reconciliation because it's current law. Can't imagine you're going to do better than like it, it would assume. To assume you're going to get seven hundred billion assumes that the current law is not being enforced, which budget rules specifically preclude you from assuming. So, you know, you killed the step up basis. The um, the Democratic yuppies are going to kill the um, the rest of the capital gains thing for you. The um, the corporate guys who have bought the Democratic Party over the last ten years, they're going to kill the corporate tax rate. Um, we are looking at an infrastructure plan that's going to um, get not be not paid for. Um, and now that the Republicans have bid themselves up to yeah, uh, we're, we're, every, every other day, every right? other day like, the number goes up. I'm like, I don't understand. The the Biden doesn't move at all. They just keep yeah. creeping up towards his number. Uh, okay, I, this is our final I, offer. I, I, I'm telling you, I, I. You begin to understand the lobbying world in this town a little bit better. If these are the people who lobbyists are negotiating with, like members and Republican people, you're just like, dude, just sit here. They'll keep bidding oh, you yeah. up, bidding you up. Eventually, you, they'll get to your number. That's right. I've never seen anything like this in my life. I and really the, haven't. The funny thing is, is that it's crazy. Republicans are going to get ignored at the end of the day, regardless of where they end up. Well, that's a funny they're thing. They're not right? going to have a signing right. ceremony with Biden and McConnell. And happen. McCarthy, it's not happening. Not like, gonna they're happen, just going to roll over. It's crazy. And it's like, I keep bringing this up. It's like Bob Michael all over again. It's like, well, the Democrats have a health care plan that, that calls for a uh, you know takeover of the health care system. We'll just come up with something a little less communist. It's and, and, you know, we'll be we'll be OK. See, what I don't get. And this is this is, the, you know, I have nothing but respect for the majority leader, minority leader. Um this is what he doesn't do well, right? He just handed this thing to, to Senator Capito, and she has been negotiating with herself now for two weeks. Yeah. You know, the right answer is as soon as they came in, just said, look, here's our number. Kiss our asses. Pardon my French. And the, the um, you know, the funny thing is, is um, Senate guys passed a $305 billion transportation plan at a committee the other day. Perfectly serviceable. If I was a Republican, I'd be like, there you go. Let's do it. That's my plan. Peace. You, it's even got a climate title. 
for those of you who care about such things. It's got a $14 billion climate title. You can give only some of your friends EVs, but it's better than nothing. I'm not sure the Republicans should win the majority, to be honest with you. It, it's going to be an unearned majority. Yeah. Well, it, it, they, they will enjoy an unearned majority yes. in the House. You um, know, the bad news about that is trajectory. somebody's going to be in charge. That's yeah, we, you we know, have to talk about who, who that is in a future episode. At least Stefanik. <laughs> All right, Phil, I you got one more. 40% club for growth score. I have first. one more for you, and I appreciate, again, uh, reiterate all of your great sleuthing on, on, the, on the all things COVID. But I want to know from you, of all the hypocrites and all the hypocrisy, who was the worst? <laughs> Man, that's a tough one. Oh, wow. I, I still, I got to go classic on this and go with Newsom at the French Laundry. I mean, Beautiful. there was just, there was a perfection to that. You Beautiful. You suck, Phil. <laughs> was, was, was that his pick? No. It, it goes back when it, to when a, it first, early when, when it first When it first happened, I didn't think much of it. I think it's going to, it's just like, I mean, he's going to survive his recall anyway, because the Democrats have a good strategy this time, keeping Democrats off the ballot. But I mean, the, the idea that you would be, you know, at a $300 a person dinner with lobbyists and all this stuff, I just, there was too many elements to it that made it perfect. And, you know, we've had some other good ones like Whitmer going to Florida and, you know, there, there are a lot of good ones. But that, to me, that's going to be the the one. The, the best part was when we played it uh, was the the long winded, like answer. It just kept going on and on and on and on. It was like a sixty minutes, like an awkward sixty minutes, you know, segment. Where, and I, I shouldn't have done it. I know I I know I shouldn't have well, done right. it. I, I'm learning, just like you. I'm human, right? I mean, this was the if the Republicans again, if the Republicans could get their act together, they could have taken him out. Basically. I actually think that, you know, recalls are sort of circus-like and the Democrats have a good strategy for the recall. But I think that if we have a good candidate next year, it could be a real race. I do. I think that. Yeah. I'm, I'm voting with, with you on French Laundry, although there have been some doozies. The mayor of Austin. That was like the Simpsons episode. Yes. I mean, he actually said that from Mexico. Yes. Do not go to Mexico. Literally. He's in Mexico yes. while he's saying do that not go to Mexico. That was a close second for me. Yeah. And then, of course, Governor Whitmer. Who and just, I also love, um, love to hate I also I mean, love she's... Deborah Burks uh, saying you have to skip Thanksgiving. And she had this big Thanksgiving yeah. in Delaware. I mean, there's a lot of it. There's a lot. There's a lot to do. You know. it'll, right, it'll, show, it'll, it'll show up Kirpin, in your book. Are again, you writing a book? I should, but no. What um, do you mean? No, you already you, wrote you half. Should. Last... You've got so much material you know, now. I, you've got every chapter written. I've only written one book ever. And it the sales were so much worse than I had hoped. That I don't know. I'm not. I'm so discouraged yeah. to do it again. You know, you know what, I, I think I sold six thousand books, something like that. Six thousand books I sold, and I made oof, I don't know three or four dollars per. So I made twenty grand or something like that. But the amount of work that goes into writing a book, yeah. you know, you have this dream you're going to sell hundreds of thousands of them, and it's going to be like this windfall. I, and, I have. You know, a, I, I, I feel I, like this subject. You've got a big. You've got a, a pretty wide audience. Like I, there's a. I mean, everyone was impacted by this in one way or another. Everyone wants to move on now, though. So that is, you know, I, and, and that is why I that's the one thing on. I worry about politically is people are going to be like, yeah, okay, we're like so happy that the Democrats are actually going to benefit from it ending, even though they made it as painful as it was. And I did promise Mike that I would be winding down COVID segments in the unregulated hey, podcast. So uh, I did want to have you on for the final hurrah because Good. you've done such a Now, now never so. again. Now let's stop all the crap. Now, all if, of the now next time you're in Michigan, go have a drink with Governor Whitmer. 
at the bar. <laughs> she Wait, just, well, she lifted the rules after she broke yeah, them, course, so it's okay course. now. It's right. good. Right. All right, Phil, thanks so much, man. All right, have a good one. Appreciate it. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, Phil Kirpin, American Commitment, and the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. All right, you talked about the infrastructure stuff. I was drunk when I said that. Do you want to uh, delve into that a little bit more, or do you think we, we beat that horse pretty No, I, I mean, I, it, it, we're... Right now, we, uh, we let's are, get let's get our folks up to date where where everything stands. Oh, where everything Biden's stands. down to one point seven trillion. One point seven. But keep in mind, I, I I encourage everyone to remember, this is an this is inside an eight year window, not a ten year window. If yes. you add the two extra years, it's a little closer to two point two five, right? So he's come down. But we still have the funny gimmick of of accounting it through eight years, right? Republicans have come up to nine hundred and fifty or sixty or seventy billion over those same eight years, right? They're playing along with this stupid budget gimmick, same as same as the president, right? Um, we have a bill that's passed out of Senate EPW. That's a legit surface transportation bill, right? A traditional re-up, and that'll no doubt be the vehicle for whatever arrangement comes or reconciliation. If that comes, tricky thing about infrastructure, right, is um, going to be tough to do a lot of it through reconciliation. Tax title is going to fall apart. I'm almost certain of it because um, there's just it's tough to imagine a path forward um, without either without getting rid of the stepped up basis and without doing something about salt. And um, either one of those would be enough to kill them together. It's going to definitely kill the tax title. Which means the family's plan goes away, but it also means we probably wind up with an infrastructure package of like 1.25 trillion, something like that, uh, that has no pay fors, or that pay fors are very, very small, right? That it basically goes on the credit card. You'll be happy to know I'll be writing a column about that, which will appear in the Washington Times on Monday. So I'm still getting my thoughts around that, but that that's where we're going. And, 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 you know, everyone who I just saved you hundreds of thousands of dollars to pay a lobbyist and waste your time and money, you're welcome. Yep. Send checks to the American Energy Alliance. Exactly. You can, there's a donate button, AEA.org. Um, so, yeah, there's a three, there's a $303 billion bill that was just moved out of committee. Yeah. That ultimately could end up being maybe they'll tack on a couple hundred billion, right? Like they could get away with. So. Yeah, they'll also, keep in mind, they're also, we're also, as part of this thing, we're also going to have to do, not have to do, they're going to do um, expansions and extensions of um, tax credits, the production tax credit. Yeah, and the windbags and the solar gas. Investment tax and credit. The, and and EV, we're going to get- rich. Right. EV owners uh, can continue to buy that, more, that's right. more EVs, and that's going to those are going to be some fairly significant numbers. They're not going to be the four hundred billion the uh, billion the administration promised, but they're going to be in the neighborhood of a couple hundred um, billion. Right? Joint Committee on Taxation scored it. The um, Committee on Finance fought their way through a bunch of amendments and a markup of their own tax legislation yesterday, fourteen fourteen. Um, Senator Wyden decided to move it to the floor as is his privilege under the Senate rules. Um, the Republicans not only all voted against it, the Republicans spent most of their time um, wetting all over the EV provisions. So, um, you know, it, it. I have this theory. I offered it up 
six weeks ago, I think it's probably as true now as it was six weeks ago, we've seen peak Biden, right? This this administration is starting to become subject to entropy and decay and um, gravity, same as everything else. Yeah. Uh, I talked about this with a reporter this morning. They're running out of time. You didn't talk to the reporter. You, you harangued him. It was yeah. good. Yeah. We're like run, the... They're running out of time. And and as you mentioned last week, there there are factions in the Hill who realize they have more power than they thought they did. And that will complicate things even further. So time is not on their side. Time is on our side, if you believe in freedom and the American way and independence and free markets and everything else. We, but if you're a big fan of, you know, the government taking over the uh, auto industry, then, you know, time is definitely not on your we side. We have a fighting shot. Bottom line is, and this is a terrible way to think about the first year of an administration, but it's true. Bottom line is we have a fighting shot of getting out of here with um, only three, only <laughs> three trillion dollars in new spending, right? The 1.9 for the COVID relief thing and the 1.1-ish for infrastructure. And if we got out of here with $3 trillion, I would consider that a- That's a pretty big win, but we have to fight. Win. That's right. And the other we thing- We have to fight. We can't just assume they're gonna stumble all over That's right. And the other thing is, the other thing is, um, significant chunk of this money, right? Federal government can't just spend $3 trillion in a year, right? Significant- Ask Dan Simmons. Yeah, seriously. Um, who couldn't even spend $2 billion a year. <laughs> The um, and it's not like they weren't trying. No, he was trying. The um, you know, you wind up with a Republican House, Republican Senate next year, and you a year after, and you wind up with a Republican president year after. We probably claw a lot of this back. I was just going to say that I think the first reconciliation would be to claw a lot of it sure, back. Sure, right? absolutely. To pare it way down, get rid of some stuff. Absolutely. Or if you're not going to claw it back, redirect it to, towards general fund Build spending. Build the wall, baby. Well, gen yeah, or whatever, general fund spending or whatever. Um, it it. I will say this, right? And this is this is um, this is something that that I feel keenly and personally because I took a lot of abuse about it. In the wake of the election, I got a lot of the world is ending and it's the end of the country as we know it and all of that other stuff, right? Yeah. And I told everybody, um, you know what the great thing about this is? Nothing moves quickly and ultimately um, the system balances itself. And what we're seeing is the system balancing itself. Did something, you know, something bad happen? No doubt. Um, but... It's yeah, not near. It's not apocalyptic. It was a shock. It was a shock not, to the system. Too. Right, right. We're not going to get the PRO Act, and we're not going to get HR well, 1, I, I and we're still, not going to get D.C. statehood. I'm, I'm not ready to call it. We're not I'm getting not ready that to stuff. hang the flag. I think they're going to try to piecemeal some stuff and we're try not, to sneak some, some We're not some getting any of that stuff. You want to get any of that stuff because there's a half a dozen Democrats in the Senate who are at risk. It's just, they're just, you know, and we're no, and, and, and the senators are smart enough to know what else I said at the beginning of this thing, which is getting rid of the filibuster long term helps the Republicans more than it helps anybody else. Okay. I normally don't like to um, <laughs> spend a whole lot of time talking about articles that I read or glance at in Politico, but this one caught my eye. Yeah. And there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff in here. So I want to uh, pull, pull a few things out. Politico Playbook. This is from literally this morning. Yeah. 
GOP dreads the oh, return of brother. Trump rallies. I only saw the headline on this. What the okay. story say? Ready? Yeah. <clears throat> First thing is what we talked about last week with the commission. It's taken longer than anyone expected, but the first GOP filibuster of a big Joe Biden priority is the Senate, and the Senate is expected today when Republicans plan to block legislation to create a January 6th commission. Mm -hmm. Senator Dick Durbin, quote, we have a mob overtake the Capitol, and we can't get the Republicans to join us in making historic record of that event. This is sad, mm. unquote. Mm-hmm. No, it is sad. Totally sad. Sad. It's sad. You realize this is a grown man saying something like that? <laughs> but it's right. It's exactly like what we a, said. This is the narrative that the Democrats wanted like, and hoped for. Sounds like a 12-year-old. Yeah. No, I, it's sad. He's the right. Democrats are obstructing our, our, Republicans our desire to- Republicans are obstructing. Republicans are, are obstructing. Tom, could you get your Sorry. could you get your verbs right? Sorry. Republicans either pounce or, seize. or obstruct. Or seize. Yeah. Sometimes they seize, but Democrats seize too. They seize opportunities. Republicans pounce and obstruct. Democrats regret or um you know, lament. Lament. Yeah, lament. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, here's the second blurb. You ready? I the first one was They'll never say it publicly, but Republicans in Washington are dreading dreading Donald Trump's return to the stump, predicting his rallies will cause a major headache for the party as it mounts to bid a comeback in Congress in 2022. Now, this is what's going to set you off. Are you ready? Sure. Uh, if, quote, if we win the majority back in 17 months, it's going to be in spite of Trump, not because of Trump, said one said senior House Republican aide for a lawmaker considered one of Trump's top supporters on Capitol Hill. Okay, so one of, so one of Kevin McCarthy's guys said something to a reporter but didn't have the intestinal fortitude to put his name on it or her name on it, whoever. Um, I was wondering about That's what I was going to ask him. Like, who's on record on this <laughs> yes, thing? Yes, I know. Yeah. This is the, Cause, the, cause the, it's, the it's, perennial pet peeve. It's, you know, it's... So we have one. Was that it? Uh, let me finish the quote. Oh, yeah. He will totally take credit if we win the House back, but it won't be because of him. This guy is a disaster. Unquote. Well, yeah. I mean... Um, who did he, did this person offer who would be responsible for taking the house back? No, uh, really. But here's round, here's part two because we talked there about there's another this one. Oh, yes, yeah. you ready? Oh, yeah, sure. Trump is expected to hit the road in early June with a series of events as he ramps up his political presence for the midterms. Sure, Politico reported earlier this week on his plans for a modern day contract with America, working with the architect of the 1994 original. Newt Gingrich on a policy platform to excite GOP voters. Okay. Um, yikes. Um, wow. Let, let's just let's just answer these. Let's just take this in two pieces. <laughs> yikes. I didn't see any of this coming. So let me let me the the rallies, right? Okay, so the rallies are gonna do a couple things, right? First off, they're gonna be um probably good for Trump. Get out of Florida, get out of Florida and yes. do some stuff. There's too much. There's too much like having dinners and yeah, yeah, yeah. Eating um, foie gras that's going on the, down there. The for his second own thing, good. I want to just ask you three things. The second thing is, is that what you're going to, I think, what people are going to be surprised by is the um, these rallies are not going to be big. They're not going to be big like they were, right? Um, 
for a couple of reasons, not the least of which is it's been done, right? This is like five, six years we're going on with these things. Eventually, you run out of people who want to see it, right? It, it, yeah. It's like a rock concert. The reason why the rallies in 16 and 17 were good um, was because of Stephen Miller. Now, that's not a that's not a ferociously popular interpretation, but it's the truth. And yeah, he wrote a lot. Of, he wrote he it wrote all. Wrote a lot right? of he, speeches. You know, he wrote it all, and he understood the boss, and um, he was able to write speeches that kept the boss on a center line. Right. Now, I'm not saying the boss didn't go off the center line, but it always came back to center line. Mm-hmm. Talked about meaningful things: immigration, trade, tariffs. Um, you know, the the sense that we had to be the world's policeman, right? All meaningful, meaty stuff. As as Stephen Miller's role became less and not less important, but but migrated away from that, you could tell the rallies were less good because the boss would just get up there and just, you know. Although they were more comical. Yeah, they were funnier. Just less. They were less meaty, right? Right. Yeah, and this I can't imagine. Maybe Miller's going to write it all. Maybe it's going to be great. But I, I, I think everyone should recalibrate their expectations. Um, the third thing that's important to know, and it's important, and people are about to find out when they when they actually – um, see him, right, is, um, and I want to say this carefully, uh, anticipate that his voice has um, gotten a little thin and reedy. Um, you know, he, he um, physically, he's not um, older, but, but vocally he is. And that's something I think is going to surprise a lot of people the first time they hear him, right? Um, and I don't think the Trump crew has done anything to anticipate that and put him on TV or get get people used to that, right? So that's going to be a, a shocker. And then the last thing about this thing, um, the media and especially Politico is um, bad. They're just not good. They're bad. Um, they're not competent in what they're doing here, and they're not. I don't think they're particularly good people. Um, you know, they have a they have they seem to have a vested interest in. This narrative that the House Republicans and Trump are on different sides. Everybody's united in one thing, at least one thing, right? They want a Republican majority. They want some kind of check on Joe Biden. And that's just that. And, you know, I have no idea who this anonymous person is. I, I have a couple of ideas but who there, it could be. I mean, be. There, it's the same anonymous person as the other anonymous person and the other anonymous. I mean, oh, I'm sure there's a, there's a contingency in this town sure, who man. are just like disgusted with the fact that their precious party has been captured by, yeah. pop, you know, populism. There's and, some of that. And, yeah. and, and nationalism. Yeah. And, but it's ridiculous. I mean, it, forget. And, and it's messing with their, with their trajectory. With their mojo. Right? With their mojo. Yeah, so. Forget all that for a second. Oh, that's true, by the way. But forget all of it for a second. It, what that person said is just factually inaccurate. Right. That Trump's going to have nothing to do with it. Okay, I'm not ready to say he's going to be dispositive, but to say he has nothing to do yeah. with it? No, it's ins- it's that, ridiculous. That, that's just it's not... like they they want they they want this whole thing. It's like it's like it's like Cheney. It, I mean, if yeah, she win, if she loses, I think the the candidate who can beat Liz Cheney, if you're listening, uh, Trisha, um, is the person who makes basically convinces Wyoming like enough already like move on like yeah, why are you so why is this consuming you yeah man if you if you don't want to talk about the guy don't 
don't talk about just, that guy. Just move on. Like represent Wyoming. Yeah. In the best way that you can and get us, you know, get yeah. us a seat at the table. Yeah. If 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 the house leadership staff spent as much time worrying about not sucking at their jobs. Oh man, that'd be so they, much better. As they did it about as they did worrying about Trump, the world would be a, yes. probably a better place yes, for everybody. Indeed. Let we, before we go, I've got to say this about Contract for America. I really wanted to write a column about this, but Phil Kirpin talked it's me the out of it. Contract with America, Contract on America. Okay. Uh, Phil Kirpin talked me out of it. A couple of things about Contract on America. It was a device generated by um, Newt Gingrich to rein in what he knew was going to be a large class of freshmen in 1995. It was an, it was an organizing tool, much like climate change is an organizing right. tool it, it, for it, Democrats. I'm with you. I was there. I lived I it. I was swept I in. I served in the minority, and we went to the promised land for the first time in over 40 and, and years. And I don't, I don't want to minimize that, but I want, to, I want everybody to understand, Contract with America was not the plan that enabled that to happen. Of course. It showed up in middle September, six weeks out. It, it, was, about, it was about Gingrich channeling the energy of the new majority. And if you look at the record of it, it did. It did a couple of important things and failed at everything else. Um, yeah, and we didn't it, get. We didn't get uh, our property rights. Didn't get balanced budget they didn't amendment. Have term limits. Didn't get term limits. Right. And um, there wasn't really a d desire to have term limits to be to be candid. There was among the voters. There was among the voters. There was, but not among the members. Shocker. Yes. I'm amazed to find out yes. that members don't want to have to yes. get real jobs. Yes. Um. So so, that's thing one. Thing two is. And this is the larger point. If I get, if I, you know what, I'm going to write some about this because <laughs> it's ridiculous. Wait, just, you know, the th thing number two about this is, and I have no idea if if the Trump crew was thinking about this or not. I've had no conversations with them, and I don't even care to have conversations about this. But if they are, it is a little peek into what the problem with that crowd is. They do not understand that there is a fundamental difference between Contract for America, which was a legislative list of stuff to do. And an actual platform if you're going to run for president. You know, the bottom line is incumbents run on their record and maybe a couple of new ideas. And there is literally nothing in the contract for America that. Well, I, I don't think off. it's going to be the contract with America, but but I think it's going to be sort of a, a version of Trump's it, Trumpism. It, right? It'll it, be yeah. like. The no this and no that and I, I'm I have no knowledge right. here either. But the fact that the fact that the fact that they're reaching out to a young, fresh faced seventy eight <laughs> year old Newt Gingrich, who last time he held elective office was almost twenty five years ago, and who, well, let's be honest, the closest he's been to government in the, in those last twenty two years has been when his wife, his third wife, was the ambassador of the Holy See. I want you to think about that sentence for a second. Anyway, maybe I shouldn't write anything about it you, just yet. I mean, it's right here. It's all out here in the in the unregulated podcast. <laughs> so two two we, quick we things. Don't like, will, we don't like Chinese communists. Two, two quick things speakers, on this, and then I move on because I don't like to dwell in political world. Um, how old's the boss going to be in twenty twenty four? Seventy eight. So really, the question becomes, and uh, you know. I know he's sort of, I mean, we know that this is not, this is deliberate, deliberate that he is going to, not going to close the door. There's no reason to give anyone a free pass here, right? It's a free country. 
anyone can run. You know, you meet the sure. criteria from the Constitution, sure. you can run for president, yeah, man. including President President Trump. Sure. So why why would you give away? You know, and plus, I, I love that it triggers the name. You know, nameless, faceless staffers who can't stand it. Oh, uh, so so that's one thing. The question becomes what. At, how is he going to be health wise? That I think is the biggest one of the biggest determining factors here. Let me let me. So yeah, I, I, he's a pretty healthy guy. I think he'd be fine. I, I don't think that's the biggest determining factor here. I think the biggest determining factor is what's the legal situation. He's going to get indicted by the Southern mm -hmm. District of New York here before the end of this too. year, right? That's true. You know, can you really run for president if you're facing multiple indictments? Although you might, you might run against the man, right? Like what they're trying to do to me. You, you can, so. but it's it would be tough under the best of circumstances. Yeah. And I, I just, yeah, I mean, that, again, but that also points to the fact that they don't want him. I mean, the, this is this fixation with Trump. Yeah, continues, but, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, but in all fairness, it's the same with every Republican. I mean, you know, there, there. As somebody pointed out to me, there has not been a legitimate Republican president since Ronald Reagan. I think that uh, the. I'm happy. I'm happy. I smile a little bit that all these establishment Republicans are so triggered by him. That's that's. It's ridiculous. That, that's the takeaway. Now, <laughs> dude, it's okay just to have yeah, no opinion on right, this. Right, exactly. Thing. Just, hey, man. Now, I want to say one thing about the contract uh, because I lived it. Contract so, on America? Yeah. Uh, when we took over the house, I was in Stockton, California, and the guy who uh, I worked for, Richard Pombo, leaned over to me and said, Now, what are we going to do? <laughs> we asked for it, right? And the coolest thing about that whole like episode it was like a hundred days, ninety days. It ended up being ninety-three days. I think we finished the whole deal. Yeah. None, literally none of us slept. We ran on adrenaline yeah. for three and a half months. Like I would I remember rolling to my house, showering and changing into a new suit and coming back to the office and ready to rock. It was so it was fun. Much fun See, and it and and the ink was dry the house was flipping and it wasn't because of the contract i know we talked about yeah. that it was because of the, the decisions that the democrats had made in that in that cycle that caused the house to flip bill clinton had went after guns and gas taxes and health care it was at just the same like, time all at the right? same time and this it's is crazy. The, but, but this is also the pattern if you're listening the Democrats will always go after, yeah, man, guns, guns and energy and, and energy and healthcare. Always, they always want to raise. Always, taxes. always, always. It, they all they want control of all three. They me, want it. See badly. See, I have a different experience with the contract, right? I um, I was working for Governor Allen in Virginia, and we had won in '93, right? Same with Rudy Giuliani, right? Same election, Giuliani had won, Christie had won, Allen had won, right? And um. And I remember on election night, I ran across my boss, who Becky Norton Dunlop, right at the time. And she just looked at me. She goes, thank God, man, if we had lost this thing, we were going to get crushed. You know, she she understood that EPA, because we had been, you know, we had just been egging EPA on. Egging EPA yes, on. We've just yes. been like, come and get us, boys. Come and get us. So in retrospect, 
Um, you know, the downstream of that was um, guys like me out in the States were super happy because we're like, I can't do nothing to us now, man. We're bulletproof. And that's a reminder to everybody that um, Virginia's Virginia's gubernatorial we're election up. is an off year. And we're it's, up. It's a good bellwether Amen. for what's going to happen in the midterms. I know you, your preferred candidate did not get the nomination. No, my friend, you know, I had a couple of friends. I had a friend running for governor, and he he showed up uh third or fourth he showed up fourth of third or fourth of out of five um you know it it i'm perfectly content with the will of the voters um not the guy i would have picked but probably our best candidate actually um so um you know been in the racket long enough to know when the voters tell you something you probably should just take your medicine that thing's a jump ball yeah, that election is a jump ball. I well, and it sh it shouldn't be a jump ball, but the Democrats, I think, overreached this cycle, and they they could eke it out. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, okay. So, so we have a couple of things going on, right? We have governor's race, lieutenant governor's race, attorney general's race. I think the Republicans are going to win the lieutenant governor's and the attorney general race. Terry McCall is going to get that nomination for the Democrats on the on the top side of the ticket, right? The governor's race. Generics about Democrat plus two. Um, and that's probably a, where the Commonwealth is. It's plus two Republican, plus two Democrat. It's it's pretty close to dead center on the needle. Um, we also have twelve house um, twelve house districts that are really close. We could take the house. I give it. I give us actually probably a sixty forty to take the house. And the governor's race is no worse than a jump ball. Um, if you live in Virginia, I encourage you very strongly to get out there and um, do the right thing. Do it. Yeah, do man. it. Yeah, because because you know what. Um, it doesn't sound like it, but truthfully, when we won in 93, that's in shockwaves across the Democratic oh, yeah. establishment. They were like, what the heck just happened, yep. right? Um, you know, you're supposed to you're supposed to lose in Virginia, but you weren't supposed to lose in New Jersey, and you sure as heck weren't supposed to lose that, that mayor's race in New York. Um, it it um, it matters. People pay attention yeah, to stuff. Yeah, and people don't re realize this now, but prior to that election – the House, the Democrats had a lock in the whole town. Yeah, man. I mean, the Senate flipped a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we had, take, we had taken had the Senate. Your... We had taken the Senate in eighty, right? Which is the which, which which was Reagan. Which was Reagan, right? And we held it to eighty six, um, and then we held we, um, but then we hadn't had it again to yeah, ninety four. I mean, the kids like our producer here, all they've ever seen is the House flip back and forth, the Senate flip back and forth, the House flip back and forth, the White House flip back and forth. Like, yeah, man, like this is a relatively recent phenomenon. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's supposed to happen that way. It's not supposed to happen that way, right? It, for at least not in our lifetime, right? It, it, I'm excited about Virginia. I'm excited about the offs, the 2022. Um, I'm super concerned about the idiocy that I see, especially on the House side. Yeah, well, that's a whole nother su subject. That's a whole nother unregulated podcast. Yeah, man. We got it. <laughs> All right, I want to bring up an organization called Consumers Research. Okay. Uh, 501c3 and uh, currently being run by a gentleman who spent some time in some of the Coke organizations. Uh, I think it was Cause of Action was one, one of them, and another dude uh, who worked on the Hill. Um. So they have a little fun little campaign. It's uh, it's called Woke Companies. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to well, play a, a clip. Wait a minute. Is this Matt's thing? 
I want to play a clip for you. Yeah. Um, I they've got three ads now. I'm not sure if they're running them on TV, but I'm going to run the one that I think is the most hard hitting and the one that deserves the most criticism. Uh, and then if if you want me to if you want me to give you some more, I will. But let's see. Let's play this one first. Here, ready. Nike is constantly political. Why? Cover. Congressional reports suspect Nike used forced labor in China. Religious minorities were ripped from their families, sterilized, sold to factories. Nike made shoes in those same areas. Congress tried to ban Nike's labor practices. Nike fought back with highly paid lobbyists. Rather than hiring Americans, Nike chose China. John Donahoe, Nike. Stop exploiting foreign labor. Serve your customers, not woke politicians. Yeah. So they've got one for Coca-Cola and they've got one for American Airlines because of yeah. the uh, 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 their public sure. disdain for the election reform legislation sure. in both Georgia and, in Texas. and Texas. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I'm aware of this. I hadn't heard that ad, um, although I, I somebody had somebody had explained, you know, described it to me. It's a it's a solid political ad, right? It's like a campaign thing. Yeah, yeah. These corporate guys are going to be really surprised because you know their ads are all like, "Hey, sunshiny, we're all jogging and blah 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 blah," and they're about to get you know welcomed into the world of politics. We're like, "Hey, I think you're a communist and you're a bad guy, and I think your mom's <laughs> a bad person too." So you know they're going to be like, I guarantee you, their their PR guys are like. What those guys see You're mean. You're not supposed to do that. Those guys see mean. The only my only objection t- t- two things about that. One is my only objection to that particular ad is we have to stop using the phrase forced labor because I understand. You, I'm even you know, I'm coming around on it too because I was using I it too. You know what? And, and I moved on to I, what it actually is. I have a lot of I have a lot of clients and they um, force labor upon me. This is slavery. Yes, this I, is this is genocide and slavery. But you know, let's let's let let us be clear about what this is. So that's thing one. Thing two is, um, you probably missed it this week, but we've been talking about country of origin labeling on the Senate floor. Oh, my favorite subject. And we have um, we have American retailers who are opposed to country of origin labeling. Yes, of course. Um, and we have agriculture. Some agriculture. Some agriculture. Well, the funny thing is they were the leading edge of this thing 15 yeah. years ago, right? Kind of right. labor because people were trying to keep Canadian beef out of America, right. which <laughs> – What's the difference? <laughs> well, it was just – it was a, it, it's a reminder of a lovelier time in America yeah. when you're like, what's this the big is issue? We're fighting over, we're fighting over Canadian forest, beef. The lumber tariff, right? Right, right. You Canadians, <laughs> quit, ter- quit putting a tariff on that lumber. But but the shocking thing about this is is that the American retailers have been led by Amazon have been lobbying against the country of origin labeling and Secretary uh, Senator Warren has been the biggest advocate for it. Now I rarely agree with her, but I agree with her on this one, right? Um, and of course they've been against it because the last thing they want to do is alert American consumers that this here shirt. This here shoes, you, this here Coca Cola has been made with slave labor. Yeah, but also if you if you don't if you're just blindly buying stuff on Amazon, you don't pay attention to where it's from. I have been paying attention because we bought a lot of crap on Amazon over during during the COVID yeah. year, which is why he doubled or whatever it is he, you know, quadrupled his profit Jim, mar- Jim, margin. Jim Lucier's roommate did okay. Yeah, everything that I purchased, practically everything that I've purchased. From Amazon is made in China. Yeah, yeah. It, it. it I mean, you got to look. You got to seek it. 
it's why the Chinese problem is different than the Russian problem, right? There's lots of people who are commercially um, impaired by their relationships with the genocidal regime in China. And John um, John Cena, right, the wrestler, he apologized. He wound up having to apologize because and an embarrassing apology because he mentioned that Taiwan was a country, which of course it is. Yes, I mean it's like. It's the least remarkable thing I've ever yeah, heard. He was, but he was compelled is, right. to either apologize or was compelled to apologize. Our relationship with the Chinese is bad because they have impaired us all commercially. Yes. Um, having said that, you know, if the Chinese want to impair me commercially, you know, my rates start around <laughs> I don't know twenty, thirty billion. You're gonna have to register as what foreign, foreign agent? agent for the right amount of money. I, I'll get up and say Taiwan isn't a country. Yeah, what the hell? Uh, you would never do that. <laughs> That one isn't a country. Sorry, listeners. Slave labor's is not, okay. It's, you it's guys not, just do your thing. It's not in Mike's lane. It's let's a, let's put it that. that slavery's not my lane. Um, <laughs> Taiwan is a country, and I visited Taiwan, and it is amazing. And it is an amazing country. And great food. And slavery's in all of our lanes. Great little uh, special street, envoy. These little street. These little side streets. They're just like this. You walk down, and it's just there's this huge food alley, and it's bustling. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm so gonna take someone, your. I'm gonna take your word for it. Is, is it? Does it have like, like, like oysters? Anyway, woke and companies, beware, because you can't just get. You, you just don't get a free pass. You just don't get a free pass. I guarantee you, their PR guys are like, "What the hell? What are we supposed to do with this? <laughs> do we put out a press release and say, wait a minute? I don't know what they're talking about. I, I." I kind of dig it. Yeah, it's very good. Okay, um, I've got a, I got one more, and it's it's kind of a clip. It, I I wouldn't call it a clip of the day. It doesn't really meet that criteria, but it is uh, a very clear and concise articulation of our new foreign policy by our president Joseph. Is this our clip R. of the day, or do I want more? You want to use this as our clip of the I'll, day? I'll hold this for the end because I don't okay. have any. Cli- I, I, I don't have, have a technically a clip okay. of the day. I only have one more thing, and then we can run this clip right. if you want to do that. Um, I want to. Um, this this goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, on Monday, we are going to memorialize and commemorate um, Decoration Day, which, um, depending on who you listen to, either started in the South in 1866 as an effort to uh, memorialize the Confederate war dead or officially in 1868, um, Grand Army of the Republic, uh, Major General um, announced it as a commemoration of the Union and Confederate war dead. Um, And is of course nowadays we call it Memorial Day, but actually didn't become Memorial Day in law until 1971. I know that it's the unofficial start of summer. I know people are always thinking about something else. Take a second on Memorial Day. Don't have to take a long break. Take a second and think about the million, mostly men, but men and women who have died for this country and say a prayer for all of them. I'm sure they rest in heaven, um, but say a prayer for them anyway um, and think about um, what you owe them and um, what you owe um, the nation they fought for. That's my big thought on this, and I. We're gonna end with that. There's, there's no reason not to. That was really well said. Thank you. Appreciate okay. that. You bet. And that is a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Be safe out there on the roads. Buy a lot of gasoline. <laughs> no.
Burn that gasoline, baby. Namaste. Hey.